We are people who understand that through Jesus, we live at peace with God and everything we do, we do for him. We are not status seekers, we are status havers. We are people who understand that Christ himself lived a life of love for us. That Christ himself was struck dead on the cross so that we could be struck alive by his grace so that we can go out into our lives and live for him. We are not as Christians status seekers. We are as Christians status havers. Live in the grace of Jesus. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. I'm not going to make any bones about the fact that this story that we're looking at this morning is a challenging story. I had people come out at 8 a.m. worship this morning and say, wow, I've never heard that one before in church. Well, you're going to hear it, hear it this morning, and we're going to the context of the gospel. This is what, what Luke teaches us here um, in Acts chapter 5. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. This is God's word. Okay, honey, let's do it. 
It must have been something like that. Okay, honey, let's do it. Let's back up. Sapphira, we know this from Luke, that she was, she was an accomplice. She was in on this. She and Ananias agreed on it. Ananias was a good Jewish believer. Even had a name just for that. Ananias means the Lord is gracious. Sapphira has a good name too. Sapphira means beautiful one. In a time, in a place, in a culture where people were named after what they actually were, she was probably a sapphire of a woman. She was probably very beautiful. If that doesn't give you a sense of what kind of status these people must have had in that time, in that culture, at least we know this much, that these were land-owning people. They were very, very wealthy people in Jerusalem, in a metropolis, in an urban center. Okay, honey, let's do it. It probably went a little bit like this. You know, the plan they would have said, it didn't come to them all at once. It, it sort of filled them. It came to them bit by bit by bit. Maybe they were there one Sunday. They sat where they always sat in church and the apostles were preaching just like the apostles did. They were always the ones who taught the church. And one Sunday, what happened was, Peter got up and he said, you know, this is what we do as Christians. Jesus taught us this. We love each other as he has loved us. And so nobody in this church is going to go hungry. Nobody's going hungry. Because Jesus fed us, and so we're going to feed each other. That's what Peter said. And see, the implication was obvious. Everybody got it. The wealthy people in this church were going to have to come through. They were going to have to come through because there were a lot of poor people there in Jerusalem too, just like in every urban center. And so the wealthy people got it. And this guy named Joseph, he was from Cyprus. He was a Levite. He actually went and did it. Peter preached it. He lived it. He was a guy who was land rich but cash poor. So he goes and he sells some land. He does it without anybody knowing it. He takes the proceeds of the land, he puts it in a bag, and he thumps it down and at the apostles' feet, and he says, here you go, nobody's going hungry in my church. And Peter was so thrilled that that Sunday when the church got together, he stood Barnabas up in front of all of them. And he said with jubilation on his face, he said, you know, Barnabas, this guy Joseph, he made sure that everybody's going to get food. And he said, you know what we're going to call him from now on? We're not going to call him Joseph anymore because Joseph is a name that everybody and their brother has. You know what we're going to call him? Here's what we're going to call him. If, if encouragement had a baby, it would be him. So we're going to call him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas gets all red in the face. It was the last thing he wanted. He just did it for Jesus. Sits down real quick. But see, the damage in Ananias had already been done. He thought to himself, what if I did it too? 
would Peter stand me up? Would he say about me, you know, if generosity had a kid, it would be you. He goes home, he thinks about it for a while. The thought, it just couldn't let him go, you know? And so he's thinking to himself, you know, we've got this nice little Airbnb in Jerusalem. It wouldn't hurt us if we sold the thing. He says to Sapphira, what do you think? She says, you're right. He starts running the numbers about a week later because the idea never left him. And he's thinking to himself, you know, a year, the property has gone up 20%. Over the past year, we could sell this thing, make a hefty profit, keep 20% for ourselves. The church would never even know it. So he pitches the idea to his wife. What do you think? Do you think it would work? Everybody wins, right? The church gets a whole hefty bunch of money. We keep 20%. It's a little something. The church would never even know. She said, okay, honey, let's do it. Turns out Ananias was right. The market was hot. Roman stability had made property prices skyrocket. They sell the property like nothing. They make, they make a whole bunch of money. They skim off 20%. The rest they put in a bag. Ananias puts it onto his shoulder and he goes into the Apostle Peter, thunks it down at the Apostle Peter's feet with a satisfying clunk. And then he looks up. And the look on Peter's face was not what he expected. Peter knew. Peter knew. Peter looks at him, he says, Ananias, how has Satan so filled your heart? How could you do this? You didn't have to sell your Airbnb. You could have kept it. Nobody asked you to do that. You could have done whatever you wanted with the money. You didn't have to tell us it was everything. You could have done whatever. The money was at your disposal. Why did you do it? How could you? Peter said, you have not lied to us. You have not lied to humans. You have lied to God, the Holy Spirit. And those are the last words the man ever heard. He falls down. Sapphira, meanwhile, has no idea. You know, I don't know. Should she working around the house, what's she doing? We don't know. We know she had no idea. We know that she had no idea that her husband had died. Finally, she gets a little, you know, wondering about what's going on. It's a few hours later. So she puts on her outer cloak. She knows that her husband has got to be with the apostles because he would have come straight home. So she goes to Peter. She walks into the room. She sees the money bag sitting there in the, in the center of the room just where Ananias had dropped it. And without saying anything else to her, Peter says to her, tell me, is this the price? Is this everything? 
She says, yeah, it is. And Peter's face changes. And he says, Sapphira, how? How could you conspire to test God, the Holy Spirit, like this? The feet of the young men who carried out your husband are at the door. They're going to carry you out too. And she falls down at Peter's feet. She's carried out and she's buried right there with Ananias, her husband. And that's the story. It's a scary story, isn't it? I remember when I was a little boy and I heard the story for the first time, it scared me. It scares me more now that I'm an adult and I understand it. It's a scary story. Now we're starting to, to react to the story. We're starting to think about how we should react to the story. There's a couple ways we shouldn't react to the story. We don't want to deny the story. We don't want to condemn the judgment in the story either. People do both things. Sometimes the story scares people so much that they just deny it. Like, like I've heard people do that. They come to the story. They say, you know, Ananias and Sapphira, it's just a myth. It's just a legend. It didn't really happen. Or they say something like, you know, Jesus would never do something like this. He wouldn't allow anything like this to happen in his church. So they just deny the story. Other people condemn what happens in the story. They say it's unethical. It's immoral what happened in the story. I've heard people do that too. They'll look at it and they'll say this. They'll say, you know what Peter did is Peter, Peter was a rookie pastor, they say. And he didn't realize the effect of his words because what he, what he did accidentally, he didn't mean to do it, but what he did, he was, he was a little bit too aggressive with Ananias. And so, what he, and so when Ananias was shocked, but he had he'd done this, that he just had a heart attack and he died. And then what he, what he really did, it was really a case of pastoral malfeasance, is he should have, you know, eased into Sapphira, eased Sapphira into the fact of his husband's death a little bit more so she wasn't quite so shocked and died as a result. And so they look at it and they say, you know, this really shouldn't have happened. It's really Peter's fault. See, but that's not what Luke wants. You actually read the story. There's a refrain. After Ananias dies, Luke adds these words. Everybody experienced fear. Great fear. He tells the story of Sapphira. He says, everybody experienced fear. Great fear. He didn't even tell, by the way, that Luke tells the story. Luke tells the story twice. He didn't have to do that. He could have summarized Sapphira. He said, same thing that happened to Ananias happened to Sapphira. No, 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 no. He doesn't do that, does he? He tells the story twice. You get the context. You get the dialogue. You get the report of the judgment. He tells the story twice. So he experienced the story twice. So we take the story seriously. So let's take the story seriously. What does it mean? What does it teach us? I want to start at the beginning. I want to start like this. Beginnings 
matter. Beginnings matter. Like if you hurt a small child, we know this, don't we? If you hurt a small child, they're not really okay when they're an adult. Beginnings matter. We know this with buildings. Like if you take a if you take a cornerstone of a building and it's just a few millimeters off, then the building's gonna fall down. Beginnings matter. Beginnings matter in the Bible, too. Like in the Old Testament, when, when, the, when the church was just beginning its tabernacle worship and God had just taught the people how he wanted them to do it, and then, and then uh, Abihu, um, Nadab and, and Abihu, they, they disobey the commands, they die. Because beginnings matter. What happens if God just allows his people to do whatever they want in worship? Or when the church is just going into the promised land with Joshua and they're, and they're conquering the land and, and God is keeping his promises and, and Achan steals from God. What happens if he just allows that and, he was okay, and he's okay with that? So there's Achan. And God makes an example of him. Because beginnings matter. And in Corinth, too, it's not just this happens in the Old Testament, it happens in the New Testament, too. Beginnings matter when, when God's people are just starting to take the Lord's Supper together for, for the first time in Corinth there, and those people were messing around with Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. What happens? They got sick and they died because they were. Beginnings matter. This is the very beginning of the church. This is the very start. So God is taking his church and he's hovering over it like a mother hen. And he's protecting her from this destructive influence of Ananias and Sapphira. So the judgment here is actually kind of grace. God is protecting what he wants his church to be. God is. God did this. Some of you know this. I, I've got an eight-year-old daughter. I told, her, I told her this story, and I said, what's the story about? Tell me about it. You know, sometimes kids, they have a better faith than professional commentators. She got the story right away. I, I had asked her that. What's the story about? Who did it? She said God did. God did. Peter didn't do it. I mean, how did Peter know? How did Peter know that Ananias had skimmed money off the top? How did he know? Because God told him. And Peter never touched him. He never touched him. Why did Ananias drop dead? God did it. God did it. My daughter got it. God did this. Why? This was a formative, sensitive part in the church's history. He had, to protect his, his, he had to protect his church. If he doesn't, everything would have gotten messed up. By the way, it's not just God who gets this. Satan gets this. Did you notice what? This is the only one of two times in all of Acts where Satan comes up. Did you know this? Satan is here. Peter says this. Peter recognizes it. He says to Ananias, how has Satan so filled your heart? Satan gets it. 
Y'all, Satan gets it. See, Satan didn't send one of his minions. He's like, Junior, go, ch- you know, go into the church. You know, no, Satan went himself. God knew it. Satan knew it. This was a formative, incredibly important, important part in the life of the church. God knew it. Satan knew it. We need to know it too. What does all this mean? So last week, we had what we will call a healing miracle. This week, we have a judgment miracle. Why does it happen? Last week, we got the first miracle of the church. This week, what we're looking at is, in essence, the first sin of the church. The first sin of the church. Not that they weren't sinners. They were all sinners. All of them were saved by grace. We understand that. But it's the first hard, open sin of the church. And what is it all about? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about the two things that make the church the church. This this assault by Ananias and Sapphira was an assault on nothing less than their faith and their love. Their faith and their love. Let me try to prove that to you. First, let's realize this. This sin was not about greed. It wasn't about greed. Let's be honest, they gave a lot of money to the church. I mean, this is a lot of money to the church. If they were going to be greedy, they would have just kept it all for themselves. Now, greed was involved, right? Greed was involved. They kept 20% or 30% or whatever they skimmed off the top. Greed was involved, but it wasn't the driving force. It wasn't the main sin, and it wasn't what Peter accused them of. What did Peter say? He didn't say you're stealing from God. What did he say? He said you're lying. To God. You're lying to God. See, these people had stopped living their lives before God. They stopped realizing that everything that they thought and everything that they did And everything that they said was something that they lived and said and thought and did before God. And because they forgot that, they could show up into a room and say, Peter, this is all the money. As if God wasn't watching, as if God didn't know, or as if God didn't care. They were functionally living as atheists. See, and since they stopped living their lives before God, what they did is they started living their lives before people. Did you know that's how it works? When we stop living our lives for God, we start living our lives before people. All of us, we were designed. We were designed to live for God, before him, for him, through him, and to him. All of us were meant to live like this. God, God, do you see me right now? I'm doing this for you. 
See, and, and the church, this neophyte young church, they, they had the chance through Jesus to do that again. Through Jesus, they had been brought back into the presence of God. Through his blood, they were enabled to live for him so that all of them could look up to the Father and say, Father, I'm back. I want to live for you. I have been bought by your blood. And Ananias and Sapphira took that and they flipped it on its head. Instead of coming into the church and just celebrating with the rest of the church, we have status. We have life with God. We get to live for him and through him and to him all of our lives because we have faith. They took the church and they used it. Maybe Peter will stand me up and say, if generosity had a kid, it would be you, Ananias. They used the church and they flipped it on its head. And when they destroyed faith that way, they also destroyed love. I want to ask, this, I want to ask you something. Why did Ananias do it? Why did Ananias give the money? Isn't it true that he gave it for himself? There was no love left. And if you think that's an anomaly, I want to ask you a hard question just for you to think about. If nobody else was watching except God, what would you do? See, where there is no true faith, there can be no true love. Only a person who knows that they have status from God through Jesus can go back out into their lives with people not seeking status. Only true faith can give true love. See, think about it. Your life is not about you. It's not about you. It's not about the way that you think about yourself. It's not about the way that other people look at you. And it's not about how they, they respond to what you did for them. It's not about any of that stuff. Why would it be any about any of that stuff? It's about, why would it be about you and how you feel about yourself? God has loved you. Who cares what you think about yourself? Why would it be about trying to get people to praise you? God praises you for what you do through Jesus. Why would you do it for the thanks that you get from people? You can get it. You can get thanks from God for doing this for other people. None of that stuff matters anymore. When you realize that, when you have true faith, when you realize that God has given you everything through Jesus, you can just go out into your life and love people because you don't need it. You don't need to be good. Christ has called you good. So you can just go into your life and do the good. Ananias and Sapphira take all that stuff and they flip it on its head. Oh, church, I'm out of time. 
I'm going to close with, with kind of a rapid fire here. I got four applications I want to make to your life. They're going to come at you fast, furious. Here's the first one. There is stuff in each of our lives that needs to fall down to the ground dead. That's something this story teaches us. Here's the stuff that needs to fall down dead. Any part of your life that you aren't living in the presence of God, let it fall down on the ground dead. This story teaches you that it is spiritually deadly. Any part of your life you're living as if God isn't there. Any part of your life that's a lie, that's duplicitous, that, that where you imagine that God isn't there, let it fall to the ground dead. Maybe that makes you think about social media. What, where are you performing as if God isn't there or as if God doesn't matter or as if God isn't the only audience? Let it fall to the ground dead. That's, that's point number one. Here's number two. Live in faith in the grace of Jesus. Live in faith in the grace of Jesus. Let me put it like this. Ananias and Sapphira, what we call this in the Bible, this is a counterexample. There are examples in the Bible and there are counterexamples. This is how I want you to do it. God says this is how I don't want you to do it. This is a counterexample. They were status seekers. Christians are status havers. See, we are status havers. We are people who understand that through Jesus, we live at peace with God and everything we do, we do for him. We are not status seekers. We are status havers. We are people who understand that Christ himself lived a life of love for us. That Christ himself was struck dead on the cross so that we could be struck alive by his grace so that we can go out into our lives and live for him. We are not, as Christians, status seekers. We are, as Christians, status havers. Live in the grace of Jesus. Number three. Live your life in love. See, let this story purify your motives. Why do you do what you do? Don't do it because of the way that people look at you. Don't do it because of the way that you look at yourself. Don't do it because of the thanks you think you're going to get from people. Do it for God. And do it because you just want to love people. People aren't there to look good in front of. People aren't there to vault over. People are there to love. Let this purify your motives. And number four, this story teaches you that you matter. What you do matter. Think about this. Both God and Satan knew something. God and Satan knew that two people could change the entire world. Ananias and Sapphira, left alone, they were going to change the entire world. God and Satan knew it. They weren't going to allow it. They're a counterexample. But you can be a positive example. You matter. 
You matter. You're like the proverbial stone tossed into a, into a pond. There are always ripples. You matter. Your spiritual attitudes, your spiritual decisions, your life, your faith, your love, you matter. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray to you today as the third person of the Trinity. We're reminded today that you live and identify yourself with the church. That you're always with us, you hear us, you know us, you see us. Through Jesus, we know that we get to live life before the Father. Help us live before him and his heart and his eyes. Free us from any status seeking and help us see that we have status through Jesus in the church. And then, Lord, take us by the hand and help us live in love. Not for status, not for people looking at us, but, but just because we care about others. Free us from ourselves. In Jesus' great name I pray. Amen. Amen.